Welcome to 20 Minute Health Talk. I'm your host, Rob Hoyle. A problem with your jaw is tough to hide. While certain tumors of the jaw can be disfiguring left untreated, traditional surgical treatments can have a similar impact. That is where our guests come in today. Dr. David Hirsch is a senior vice president of the Dental Medicine Service Line for Northwell Health and chair of the newly established Department of Oral Maxillofacial Surgery at Lenox Hill Hospital. Dr. Hirsch pioneered jaw in a day, which accomplishes in one surgery and in one day what used to take three surgeries over the course of months, if not years. Dr. Hirsch, welcome. Thanks for having me. Over the past decade, our second guest today, Dr. Lawrence Brecht, has worked with Dr. Hirsch to develop and improve and now expand access to this revolutionary procedure. He is the director of maxillofacial prosthetics for Lenox Hill Hospital, LIJ Medical Center, and North Shore University Hospital. Dr. Brecht, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Repairing a jaw can involve multiple procedures and leave patients not feeling whole. Dr. Hirsch, tell us how Jaw in a Day came to be. Jaw in a Day was uh, Dr. Brecht and I's kind of brainchild. We had been doing a lot of um, reconstruction for patients for cancer, motor vehicle accidents, or any infectious process. And we just weren't satisfied with the reconstruction. And we thought that we could deliver a better product. Originally, when we would see patients like this, it'd take us about a a year from their initial surgery, having uh, removal of their jaw, to getting them uh, a new jaw, as well as implants and finally teeth. And so we set out to figure out, is there a way we can do this in one operation, in one day? When we talk about a jaw in a day, what kind of surgery is this? Is this an all-day surgery, or how many hours does it take? And First one was what? Yeah, it used to be a jaw in a day, day. and a half. <laughs> right. And now <laughs> it's probably, I, I'd probably re-term it jaw in half a day. Right. Um, yeah, I th- we could probably do this procedure in about six hours. And right. uh, with that being said, you know, it takes about an hour to get set up before you even start surgery. And then when you're done, probably takes another 45 minutes when you're done. So we're, we're, we're very efficient. It's awesome. What about the, if it's taken from a different part of the body, say the, the bone is taken from the leg, what kind of effect does that have on the person's walking or is there any effect at all? Yeah. I mean, uh, when we take the bone from the leg, it's, there's a, there's two bones in the leg. The the larger bone is the, uh, the tibia and the smaller bone is the fibula. We use the fibula and the patients in the initial uh, post-operative period, so it, it is like they've had a broken leg. Um, but uh, we've had we've done this on athletes, we've done this on basketball players, we've done this on people who ski, and for the most part, they go back to their normal physical activity. It takes a little bit of time, but um, patients do remarkably well missing their fibula. Now this is so successful that you're expanding on Long Island. What does this mean for the people on Long Island? Well, I'll get I, more jaws in a yeah. day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it gets more jaws in a day. I think, you know, um, we were sitting around here before talking about what it what it's like to have to travel into the city. You know, you don't need to necessarily travel into the city to get this done. I mean, procedures, you know, we've done a number of them now out um, at LIJ. So yeah, I think uh, patients of Long Island win by having this team out there providing this service after we've refined it for 10 years. I mean, as the the dental person on this, I mean, I, I have the privilege to watch 
um, Dr. Hirsch operating and usually our plastic surgery or ENT surgery colleague working down on the leg and harvesting the, the leg bone, if that's the, the bone that we're going to use as opposed to some other sites. And I am amazed to watch how this whole thing kind of choreographs and comes together. And, you know, David's really the leader of the team in the operating room and he kind of sets the standard for everybody. And, and that, that kind of leads to great results. You know, nobody wants to walk out of there feeling disappointed. So um, it's a wonderful orchestration of an extremely complicated um, set of procedures that kind of makes it look easy when it's all pulled together. Yeah, this is kind of amazing procedure. And it's very, we've talked before a little bit, it's, it's very well choreographed. There's, there's actually a couple of different surgeries happening at once. Tell us, walk us through the, the day of the surgery. What, it, what goes on in, in a, a day, a jaw in a day? Yeah, it is, it is well choreographed. And the entire procedure really is planned prior to us going to the OR. Right, it all happens before. So we'll spend a couple of sessions um, online with uh, Dr. Breck, myself, and usually another surgeon, um, one that as I'm removing the tumor will be harvesting um, bone from another area of the body. That, that allows us to cut the surgery time in half. But the planning is about an hour-long planning session, and we sit there and we look at the geometry of the jaw, the areas that need to be removed, what are the important anatomical landmarks we have to respect, and basically do a dress rehearsal prior to going to the OR. And so that's where the big thing is. And then once we do that, when we go to the OR, we already know what each uh, each of us are going to do. Um, and uh, it just goes much smoother in that we've thought about it, we've thought about what each of our parts should be, and... Um, then, you know, the easy part is actually going and doing the procedure. Yeah. Tell me how technology plays a role. Virtual surgical planning. Uh, tell us about that and how you're able to really get a great grasp of what, what's going on. Through the, the use of, uh, very fine, finely cut CAT scans that are very accurate. Uh, we can translate that, uh, to a 3d image and then on a computer program, we can actually plan the surgery, plan the cuts of the surgery. Uh, everything can be planned to the millimeter. Once that's done, that's translated to physical product by um, sending all that information to 3D printers. And then 3D printers will make guides for us to take to surgery. They'll make uh, specialized plates that are custom fit to the patient's jaw. And even things down to the prosthesis and the teeth, uh, Dr. Brecht is planning that uh, virtually. So the entire surgery is planned uh, on a computer and translated to the operating room using all 3D printers. And um, that's, that's pretty novel. Um, the good thing about it is it can be replicated. And so it's not just limited to, to our patient population. This is something now that has been brought to the masses in the United States and in Europe and virtual surgical planning can be um, done anywhere. So we will be planning, Larry will be planning in his office, I'll be in my office. We'll have an engineer that we might be working with in Colorado. Uh, so, you know, 
all of the technology that's humanly possible is brought towards these cases. Tell me who the ideal patient uh, is for this procedure. That's a great question. I mean, when we, we initially started doing this, we thought we could do this only on select patients. So a young patient with a benign tumor uh, that probably wasn't going to get radiation, we thought would be a, a good ideal patient. But at this point in time, because we've been able to fine tune everything we do, there we can do it on almost any patient that that needs a resection of their jaw. Uh, we used to think we couldn't do it because patients were going to get radiation. Uh, but again, as we've gotten better at doing the technique and we've uh, learned the intricacies of what works and what doesn't work, I think really there's no limitation on who we can do it on. That's awesome. Dr. Beck, tell us about how you fabricate teeth. Um, Again, technology's really um, the driving force here. You know, your leg bone, the fibula, really looks like your jawbone, your lower jawbone, without teeth. Like, you know, somebody wearing a denture, if you took their lower jaw out, it looks just like a leg bone. Um, except now we have the ability to attach the teeth, a denture, to um, a leg bone uh, through these implants. Um we fabricate them from um, a very aesthetic acrylic material that's milled by computer. It starts out um, as a, looks like a big hockey puck, except it's tooth colored. And computer off of our planning and our design mills out what the teeth should look like. Um, we put those in, in the operating room. We attach them to the implants. We let the patient go through probably, well, David, about like a three-month healing period. Uh, fine-tune it, maybe get them a second set of teeth to refine any changes that the patient really wants to have. Maybe they started out with crooked teeth. We gave them crooked teeth in the OR, and they're like, you know, I really wish my teeth were straight. We make them a second set. When the person's really happy with the, the, the new set of temporaries, then we go off and make a final set. Instead of milling it out of acrylic, we mill it out of this material called zirconia which is, you know, we're familiar with zirconia as an artificial diamond. And it's the same material. It's just in a different crystal structure. Instead of it being clear, it has um, um, a tooth color shade or, or gradation between, you know, having uh, an opacity to it to maybe as the top of your teeth have some uh, transparency. Very, very aesthetic, very durable. Um, those are the long-term teeth. We put those in patients that we've, treated 10 years ago, they, they still have those, those teeth in place. It's amazing. And how long does it take before a person is back to, you know, hundred percent, you know, eating, talking back to work, all this stuff. Um, again, depends on the patient, their age, but I think typical patient probably spends about five days to seven days in the hospital. And then we start them eating while they're in the hospital. We start physical therapy when, when they're in the hospital. So usually the first post-op visit, we're trying to get them uh, moving towards more um, normal everyday activities, but it does, it does take time. Um, it's a big operation, uh, but typically, you know, I think by three weeks, uh, we have them eating most foods. Yeah. I think the remarkable thing is, you know, we started out pretty much 
on on younger patients that that had a really aggressive uh, benign tumor that was really destructive, and the only way to eradicate it was to take out the entire portion of the jaw that was affected by it, and and then a little more, right? Make sure you, you've got it all out. And over time, as David said, we realized that this the technique is applicable to um, you know even even older patients. I'm trying to think, but uh, the oldest patient we've done has been uh, probably uh, early 80s. Yeah, wow. and um, you know people are re- remarkably you know grateful. It's humbling on our side. These are these are people. You know, on the dental side, I'm I'm doing well. We're both doing follow up. Um, I I tend to see people, you know, regularly, probably every six months, making sure everything is okay for for a few years, and then, kind of like after the five year mark, I'm probably still the person seeing the people because I want to make sure the prosthesis is okay. I want to make sure the implants are okay, that everything's tight, and you develop a very long term uh, relationship with people that we we've put them through this experience. that's really life transforming for them. And they go about life pretty much as, as normal afterward. And it's, it's, a, it's very humbling on our end to do this. I mean, you know, every time I, uh, I see one of these done, I'm, I'm still amazed. I still get a rush. I, I, I'm so happy in what I've chosen to do, um, for my, my life's avocation. I'm, happy to be around colleagues that um, are really <laughs> great at what they do. And, and after 20 years, they still want to push the envelope. That's, that's the uh, definition of being a professional. It's great. Speaking of moving out to Long Island, your first patient was Tara Singh and she had an amazing result. And you did something a little bit different on this. Tell us a little bit about how that procedure went and what was the new process there? Well, you know, my um, incredibly uh, humble surgical colleague here is, I find it fascinating. I've got, I've got this picture up here on the on the computer screen. And there's this plate here that holds all the pieces of the leg bone together to form a jawbone. And, and one of the things we did on the march from a simple operation to um, the operation we're at now is, um, you know, David really was able to perfect the technology and the surgery where not just taking the leg bone and maybe breaking it into th- three pieces to make it look like a jaw, but maybe somebody had a, a bigger native jaw and needed to have more height in their leg bone forming their jaw. So what he was able to design with the, the surgical colleagues uh, that put it all together, what they were able to do is they would split the leg bone, put it on top of itself, and come up with a bar design that, again, is custom-made by computer. You couldn't do this before that technology was around, and, and it's called a, a double-barrel technique. And what it is able to do is give a remarkable resemblance to a patient's you know, pre-surgical jaw form. Uh, we do that quite frequently, depending on where the, the defect in the, in the jaw is. Yeah. 
And the outcome is so amazing because you would never think that she had surgery. And I'm hoping that my producer, Brian Donnelly, will be able mm-hmm. to link that video in there because I think you should people should see that video and see the success that that, that was able to be done for her. Yeah, and, and, and lastly, you know, <clears throat> when you make the comment that they don't look like they had surgery. So one of the nice things about the virtual surgical planning is it allows us to do th- some things blindly. Um, the plate usually fits very well. And so we used to have to... Um, get access to the entire mandible to make sure everything was exactly where we wanted it. Now, when things fit, I'm able to make smaller incisions, uh, make really small incisions in the patient's face, make the majority of my incisions inside the patient's mouth. And so when you can make more incisions in the patient's mouth and have less scars on the face, um, patients then um, really start to look like they don't have surgery. You know, if you can make a three centimeter incision instead of a 10 centimeter incision in somebody's neck, it's uh, it's a huge benefit, especially to a young patient who does not have wrinkles. You had mentioned before that, that you two pioneered this and now it's being replicated all over the country. What about uh, our other... Where does this go from here? Are, are there other applications for this, maybe in other types of surgery? Are other people looking at your work here and, and seeing how they can maybe help somebody else, maybe not a jaw or something else? Yeah, I mean, it's been, so it has been replicated uh, in in the uh, field of orthopedics. Um, the virtual surgical planning has start. they started to use it after we were doing a lot of head and neck stuff. Um, we're always asking ourselves, you know, what are, what can we do next? And what's the, the next thing we're always trying to look to, to make things more efficient and, and come up with new ways of, of doing these things. That's what, that's what makes all of this very, uh, I think, exciting to us. What does it look like when you do these 3d images, right? And you do these, um, these scans of the mouth and, and you're going to do this surgery. You want to go right to the letter or you want to make it perfect. And that's why you do this virtual, um, surgical planning. When you're done, do you go back and look and see how exact it is? Yeah. And how exact is it? That's, that's a very, um, insightful question. So when we first started doing it, we wanted to know, are we, accurate? Are we doing this right? So every patient that we did it on, we probably did it for the first 20 patients is we got a, uh, a post-operative CAT scan and then overlaid the images that we planned with what we turned up with uh, after the operation just to see, are we close? Uh, what can we do better? And uh, it was remarkably accurate. The overlay was always, you know, within one with actually within one millimeter of what we planned. And, uh, you know, that was just kind of proof of concept to us. And, um, that, that type of accuracy, you know, we needed to prove, I think in the beginning to make sure, Hey, we're, we're doing the right things here. So we always like to end on a positive note here on 20 minute health talk. And so I'd like to ask both of you and I'll start with you, Dr. Breckwich, just tell me what gives you hope, what gives you optimism going forward? Um, I'm, I'm incredibly, um, optimistic when I see young people being excited about techniques like this and wanting to learn and just kind of, um, soak it up because they're the repositories for the next innovation that's going to drive this forward. I remember when David and I started this, um, person who trained just ahead of us, um, and kind of was one of the pioneers of leg to jaw surgery. Um, 
we were at a talk and he came back and we asked him why he stopped doing the operation. And he said he couldn't figure out what the next iteration to the operation was. And, you know, David and I looked at one another like, wow, that's, you know, how could you not see, right? Technology came along at the same time. So I'm excited about technology. And I do remember when a, when a younger Dr. Hirsch came to me and said, hey, I have this idea. And people told me, you're the guy I need to come find. I remember that day so clearly. And after he told me what his vision was, I said, this is it. This is great. I'm, 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 I'm happy to do this with you. So I think um, I'm hopeful that um, we've got great teachers in this system. We've got motivated young people. Um, and between young people, energy and technology, uh, I think things will be good. Fantastic. Dr. Hirsch, what gives you hope and optimism? Well, that one's hard to follow. But, <laughs> um, for me, <clears throat> uh, Northwell Health has given me a platform to uh, do what I want to do professionally, um, allowed me uh, the autonomy and leadership uh, role that I can recruit and surround myself with people who I think are great. And um, if I can surround myself that people that are better than me um, and that are very bright and um, excel, then they make me look good. And so I'm really optimistic of what we're growing here um, throughout the Northwell system um, at Lenox Hill, at LIJ, at North Shore. And so for me, the future is, is really bright because I love what I'm doing and I love who I'm doing it with. So it's pretty hard not to be excited to come to work when, when you have that situation set up for yourself. It's awesome. Well, Dr. Hirsch, Dr. Breck, thank you so much for joining us here on 20 Minute Health Talk. And for you, the listener, thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great day and stay safe. Thank Thanks, you. Rob. Get more expert insight from some of the leading voices in healthcare today. Subscribe to 20-Minute Health Talk on Podbean, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts.